Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, joined as always and as ever by... Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. I Thank forgot you. your moment. Your, your, your name for a minute, just for a second. It's a senior moment for That's you. all right. I have lots of those. You need I a maple bacon donut. That's exactly what I need. That's I'll a new specialty right here at the Catholic Cafe. Absolutely no calories. Right. Nothing to, no, no sinful stuff there. Very good for good us. Good stuff, too, by the way. Speaking of good for us, yes. we got a great guest. Our great guest is Mike Cumbie. Uh, a lot of folks have seen him. He's been on yeah. EWTN. He's been all over the place. He's a teacher, He's a, a speaker. He's an evangelist. He's a... A world traveler. He is. I know. He lives on an airplane. When you know when he gets, he comes, shows up at the airport. They go, Mike. <laughs> you know, so he's so well known there. So it's a great Mike. Welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic. Cafe. I love it. You, I love food. <laughs> you talk about living in airports. It's bad when you walk to an airport and hear somebody behind you say, "Shut up." <laughs> That's the southern, the southern, up. the southern airports. Well, I say that all the time in my talks, and they get a kick out of it. But it's bad when they walk through and you hear. Shut up. Well, we are so... You don't have to shut up here. In fact, you need to no. talk because we're on the radio. So if you shut up, no one can hear you. Exactly. So we, it's okay. So we encourage you to speak here. And you know what a lot of folks don't know is uh, some of our best speakers, our best teachers, our best evangelists in the Catholic faith are people who came from other faith traditions. And having said shut up helps me understand that maybe you're a little southern. A little were. A little southern. <laughs> Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. You don't get much more southern than that. Yep, raised in the heart of the Deep South and steeped, I mean steeped, in Southern Baptist tradition. Good folks that I love a lot, uh, but very, very anti-Catholic. My, my particular group, I know that your listeners know that not all Protestants are anti-Catholic, but there is a group who are raised with some terrible misconceptions about Catholicism. You know, the Pope's the Antichrist and the Catholic Church is the great whore of Babylon and they eat people and they have seances with the right. and candles and in smoke. And most of that is not true. I mean, really, seriously, <laughs> most, most of that most of is not, not true. true. It's not, and I found it out. But I'll tell you, it was a huge upheaval in my life and thinking and theology and and the way I pastored a church and the, the whole nine now yards. Now, you started very young, though, coming to Jesus and feeling like the, this need to preach and to speak. Yep. Yep. How, I deserved my vocation. I was 14. Oh, little, man. Little country mm. Baptist church. I am glad I South didn't, South didn't discern anything that changed my life at I 14 because I'd I have been a rotten person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. So, uh, yeah, it was a little, uh, a camp that, we, that the Baptists owned down in South Alabama on the coast. And uh, it was a week for boys to come. Uh, and think about what they're going to do with their life oh, and their okay. commitment to Christ. And what do you think God wants? Wants you to be a missionary, a pastor, or a computer engineer, or whatever. Right. And uh, really, really time to discern. Start thinking, 14, 15, 16 years old. Uh, of course, this was a long time ago. You don't think about those things right. at 16 now. But anyway, uh, what you want to do, and I just really knew then that it would be something in the church. I wasn't right. sure it was going to be a pastor or youth and music ministry or something. I was a musician and uh, had a scholarship to college for, for, for music. But uh, I knew then that I would work for the church in some capacity, and that's what I was supposed to study. By. Amen. Well, that sounds great. And so that led you on this road, again, steeped in the Southern Baptist tradition. Right. You kind of went right along that path, didn't you? I did. I did. I went back and told my uh, pastor, I said, oh, the Lord's called me to the ministry. I'm so excited. Wonderful. 
Uh, the way to the pulpit is through the commode. So you can start keeping, you can start cleaning the bathrooms at church, and we'll and cut keep the grass cut, and we'll let you start a children's choir for third and fourth and fifth graders. So right. every Wednesday, I'd ride a different bus home from the school because I was 15 years old and drive. And I uh, got permission to ride, to take the different route and get dropped off at the little country church where my 85-year-old mother still attends church uh, there in South Alabama. And I started a children's choir. So I did that. That's and then, uh, then I, by 17, I was, had moved up to First Baptist in the big city of Foley, Ooh. Alabama. looked like a cathedral. It's a great big stone yeah. church. And uh, they uh, licensed me to preach, which doesn't mean anything except that, yes, the church agrees you have a vocation. We're behind you. Go to the seminary. Amen. So that was the 17. I'm 55, and I've been doing it ever since. Now, how long were you in that 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 Southern Baptist? Southern tradition? Baptist till I was uh, 20, uh, 19 or 20, and then the Charismatic Renewal came through everywhere in the 70s. And uh, I was in college and went to a concert with some other voice majors, music majors, and uh, met a group of kids that were really on fire. I mean, they just, they seemed very different than the other Christians that had been. They were all Methodists, believe it or not. Right. And they were charismatic Methodists. And they said, well, why don't you come to our little band? We need another singer or two and, and start rehearsing with this. And they'd always have a little devotion time before they... They talked very strange that, that they said God spoke to them and mm-hmm. they understood the script. I, I and so eventually I asked them, you know, you seem very different. What do you have? You have something that mm-hmm. I don't have. What is that? And they said the baptism or the release of the Holy Spirit. I said, what is that? I never heard. So it was the whole charismatic thing. And, and uh, they eventually prayed with me and uh, I had that experience. And it absolutely was the most powerful conversion I've ever undergone. But that changed the course of my life because then I began to wonder about my Baptist theology and my Baptist right. background. Our church did not believe in the charismatic gifts, the charismatic renewal, but that it was of the devil, as a matter of fact. And you know, The Exorcist, the movie had just come out with this girl's got these other languages and voices coming out of yeah, her. Yeah, so there head. was no speaking in tongues no, in your uh, Jesus, Baptist Mary church. and Joseph. Are you kidding? No, are you? no, no, no. no. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but I had had the, they, my church said, that doesn't happen anymore. That's unscriptural. I thought, well, it just happened to me. Right. No, it doesn't happen anymore. It passed away when the last apostle died. Prophecy, healing, miracles. I thought, wait a minute. It just happened to me. No. So eventually uh, I was asked to leave. You know, usually when somebody joins your church in a little Baptist church, the, the pastor will say, come down and, and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship. And, well, they, t- they extended the left foot of Christian fellowship yeah. to me. They said, you need to go over there with them Pentecostals. And so I went to the Assemblies of God and the Pentecostals. Who did they have church. to clean their commodes anymore? I'm thinking, well, I'd already graduated and moved that from that oh, little country okay. church up to First Baptist. All right. We had a full-time job. You were beyond that. All I was, right. I gadgeted. I just like that you started in humility. And that's a great place to start. And the pastor's point was, if you want to lead the people, you must know how to be the servant of all. Right. There you so go. So start serving the parish, clean the bathroom and keep the grass going, which I love because I had a riding lawnmower. Oh, amen. <laughs> That's living luxury. That's learning how to drive right there for a country. <laughs> amen. You probably could have taken that down to the quick stop to get you a diet. That's exactly right. Yeah. John Deere. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. So now at some point, though, in your life, you started to see, I know you're fired up with the Holy Spirit now. Right, you're all fired up. you got that little flame over the top of your I head. I wondered if you could see my little... Yeah, it's there, fire. and it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. Could burn and, the cafe down. And uh, let's not do that. we got <laughs> so many guests to serve. Uh, and so here, we, you're on fire, 
And then you're looking for a place to be on fire. I mean, you're looking for a place well, to be. I, and I found that among charismatic, you know, uh, because of the renewal, so many, many traditional denominational Christians were asked to leave their churches because the church did not, their, their local body did not embrace the charismatic renewal. And so those folks, of course, all found each other yeah. and ended up renting storefronts and hardware stores and meeting in the YMCA. And they eventually started their own congregations who all had that experience in common. And those churches grew to be some of them, thousands and tens of thousands of people. Most of the, of the uh, preachers on uh, Trinity Broadcasting and Christian Television have those kinds of churches that are charismatic. And uh, so, yeah, and it was wonderful. We had a great time, but eventually, uh, after marrying and starting a family and pastoring for 10 or 12 years, I began to, to really recognize that there's something wrong. There's something missing. Now, what, yeah, what did you sense was missing, though? Well, because you had the Holy Spirit, right? You uh, had no, I don't mean, yes, but our, our, our concern, the older I got, I wasn't concerned with as much as a young pastor as an assistant or whatever uh, to the other preachers, but... Uh, was for our nation falling apart the yeah. disintegration of families uh, unbelievable moral right. quagmire that we found ourselves in and things were so different of course I know I was raised very naively in the heart of the deep south where everybody's religious I mean the trees are Baptist where I live <laughs> dogs and cats go to church but very religious in the south we have a lot of faith and uh, but I, I, America itself, I get to college and I, I, I told people last night at the mission I'm giving here in Memphis in, in Bartlett at uh, Nativity Catholic Church that uh, for the first time I met people that not only didn't go to church, but they told me they didn't believe in God. I said, who raised you? All right. I need to talk to your mom and daddy. Exactly. You're from the South and you, uh-uh. I need to Unheard of. Yeah, I need to talk to your mom. Anyway, it was a show. of course, you're going to learn lots of new things in college that you never heard of before. So <laughs> Don't we all know that story? Yeah, you get a very eye-opening experience. But uh, I, just, I had known for a long time, I tell people, it's like taking a shower with your socks on. Something just doesn't feel right. Yeah. There was something wrong with this gospel I knew that message. was wrong. I knew that was an expression. You just we have all this gospel on TV and radio and then computers and, and Internet and all the that's just anytime you want to, if you want to know something about God or faith or spirituality, you can click a button and turn on your television, EWTN or Trinity, Protestant or Catholic. And so America, you would think, would be getting holier and holier and holier and becoming closer and closer and closer to God. And ex- the truth is that exactly the opposite is the reality. Yeah. We could care less of, or we say we could care less about God, but we don't want anything about faith. Please keep your religion behind the four walls of your church. There's no place for that in the marketplace. Right. Shut up. We're diverse. You've got to be tolerant. And that way. and we're just falling apart morally yeah. and every other way. We've just, and I thought, there's, I really began to look for answers because as a pastor, of course, our, our, for evangelical pastors and Protestant Christianity, it's all about souls. Right. Every, and you're training your people, equipping your congregants to reach out to the lost and hurting people who've never heard of God. They've never heard the good news of Jesus right. Christ. They've never heard that you can love your enemies and pray for those who curse you and bless people who hate you. And it'll change your life. I mean, it'll get you killed probably. Ask Jesus and I mean, nail him to the cross for that, saying that. But that, that, that the world has lost its mind and we have to do something. So eventually, now I had no idea how God was setting me up. But we were in Atlanta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. 
years ago, and a pastor friend of ours was going to hold a conference. We thought it was going to be a church growth conference on new ways to do evangelism uh-huh. and programs for young people. And all Protestants. And I went to the, to the conference, and he walked out in a clerical collar. Oh. This is a Protestant with a, with a purple shirt on, the bishop's color for Lutherans and Episcopalians. And uh, he said, uh, the conference this week is going to be probably not what you expected. But the, he opened it by saying the church in America is irrelevant. Wow. I thought, shut Huh. <laughs> what did you, you know, a good friend of mine was with me Henry Jones was from South Carolina and, said, and, and Henry was just lost he said what did he say <laughs> I said I think he said me and you was wasting our time but anyway that was the conference uh, along with little things along the way about the Catholic Church that we were raised to hate and distrust but I always loved the beauty of those old Catholic churches I loved priest in cassocks i didn't understand anything they were doing but we were taught you know to stay away from all that it's like communism you know you get mm. catholic cooties you couldn't even play yeah. with catholic children if they came out on the side you had to go in the house but there was still always this draw because of the beauty of those old churches and uh, we're talking about in the 50s ladies still had the little veils and all we knew about catholicism is what we saw on television right and in movies like the bells of saint mary and the scarlet and the black and the, so that was that we used to play catholic Oh, oh, yeah, I'd get a black house coat. Little you didn't tell your mama, did you? And wrap toilet paper around my throat so I'd have a white collar, and I made the kids <laughs> practice. And we didn't know what you were saying in Latin, so we'd say, my father plays dominoes better than yours does. <laughs> Eats Nabisco. Anyway, it's terrible. We're going to come you back. You better take a break after <laughs> that. I need some coffee over here. <laughs> we're going to take care of that. Before we do, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com, and I would love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in the year 251 in Egypt, St. Anthony of the Desert rose to become the father of monasticism. He took these words of the gospel to heart. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor. As a young man of 20, he gave away his vast wealth and went to live in poverty and solitude in the desert. St. Anthony fasted on bread and water, only eating after sunset each day. The fasting strengthened him for the many spiritual assaults he would endure. Much like Christ's 40 days of fast in the desert, he was tortured by demonic spirits and tempted to great evil. But his strength and confidence in God never failed him. St. Anthony was known to have said, The devil is afraid of us when we pray and make sacrifices. He is also afraid when we are humble and good. He is especially afraid when we love Jesus very much. He runs away when we make the sign of the cross. Christ never abandoned him during these trials, but only made him stronger for his great vocation. St. Anthony's reputation began to grow, and he gathered many followers. He was known as a miraculous healer. He became a spiritual counselor to many and recommended a simple life based on the Gospels. He was finally convinced to found two separate monasteries and began a rule of life for monastic living. The monastery St. Anthony initiated were the first to be started and thus began the great tradition and history of monastic life in the church. 
These pioneering monks practiced prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and lived a life apart from the world in constant reparation for their sins and the sins of others. It is said that two Greek philosophers once came to St. Anthony because of his reputation for wisdom. He told them, If you think me wise, become what I am, for we ought to imitate the good. Had I gone to you, I should have imitated you, but since you have come to me, become what I am, for I am a Christian. St. Anthony lived until the ripe old age of 105 and died peacefully in a cave near the Red Sea. He is a great witness to the simple life of prayer and fasting we as Christians are called to live. St. Anthony of the Desert's Feast Day is celebrated by the Universal Church on January 17th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, still talking to Mike Cumby. Mike, you just where we just left, you were just talking about how something about the Catholic Church was intriguing you, the, the history, the tradition. You didn't understand it all, right? All you do spoke a little Latin, though, you demonstrated yeah. previously. <laughs> That's southern Latin, my right, Southern Latin. That. That's South Alabama Latin. But so Y'all. I, how, did, you, did you pursue this at that, at that point? Well, the Catholic Church was surrounded with great mystery. We'd heard all the terrible uh, and things And she still about is. It. Yeah, she is. Well, thank God for the mystery. But uh, we used to have T-shirts made that, that, that said, Embrace the Mystery. Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. Just embrace the mystery. But, um, you, you know, the church, for those of us who are raised non-Catholic in some kind of religious formation, but not Catholic, especially in the South where evangelical Protestantism is so strong, the Catholic Church is very strange. First of all, the buildings were these beautiful temples. We could not imagine why you would right. go to so much effort and build such what we called a gaudy building with all that gaudy stuff inside right. and gold and, and gold leaf and unbelievable artwork and stained glass. We would never go inside one because we're told if you ever go into a Catholic mm-hmm. church, you can't get out. So you, right. ne- you never... <laughs> it's like the like, Roach Motel, isn't have, it? That's right. Yeah. That's right. They have like trap doors or perhaps that's where the statues came from. <laughs> Those were Protestants Those are former who went in. Baptists. We stab them, you slab them, and hang them on the wall. They never. You'll ne- your mother was right. You'll never leave. So, but I, I just it was this little draw. Plus my dissatisfaction with what we were doing that wasn't being effective. We weren't reaching America. Evangelical Protestantism, even though they're huge into soul winning, the average educated yuppie. They really had no time for God. And right. I, I wasn't sure. I thought, you know, I don't know if I could sit down and have a conversation that would convince him or her of their need of salvation or their need of Christ or need of faith. And so I really began to, to, to wonder what we were doing and why we were doing it. And that started my search. Now, I had no idea that I would end up in the Catholic Church. I was looking for the truth. I wasn't looking right. for Catholicism. I was looking for the truth about how had the church always lived the faith and practiced the faith. Where's the first church? Who was, I mean, what did they do? Do we right. have anything? Re- I had no, I didn't even heard of, I thought Polycarp was the stuff you keep your dentures in with. Right. I'd never heard of the church fathers. 
Uh, and our version of church history was very different. I mean, Jesus and the apostles got their church off to a great start. And then when they, the last apostle died, the church went off into darkness and into what we call Roman Catholic darkness. And then Constantine, oh, that was the, that just cinched the deal. He sees the sign of the cross in the sky and he makes Christianity legal and, the, and the, the religion of the empire. And he gave those temples, those huge buildings to the church. They go, come out of hiding now and... Uh, and that was the downfall. And so for 1,500 years, this imitation, Roman Catholicism, right. uh, took over. And then Martin Luther, the second Messiah, the second savior of the, of the world for us, got a revelation that the just shall live by faith alone and saved Christianity from Roman Catholic darkness, we thought. Wow. And so we were all children of Luther, children of the Reformation, Thirty over 30,000 Protestant denominations now. Uh, registered as 501c3 Christian Protestant churches and, 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 and sects. You know, one Holy Catholic Church and 30-something thousand splits off of that church. But So I began to go through the quagmire of what the Presbyterians believe and where did their beliefs come from. What about the Methodists, John and Charles Wesley? The Baptists, I found out, were started as Anabaptists by John Edwards in Amsterdam in the 1600s, mainly to rebaptize the right. Anabaptists, rebaptize Catholics. Who'd been, but, but to my great shock, for 1,500 years, there was only one church, and right. all Christians were kathala, universally accepted doctrine, universally accepted practice. Everybody was Catholic. If you ever want to see someone with big, wide saucers for eyes, is you start to show them a little bit of church history. I mean, that does I'll it. i tell you. You know, Cardinal Newman said to be deep in history, and every Protestant clergyman, I know that converts uses this because it's so true to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. Right. And that's not a, a jab at Protestantism. It you, you find out the rest of the story. I call it the Paul Harvey revelation. You get the rest of the story. Yeah. We got and, and here this is my family for the first because I'm a Christian, Baptist, Methodist, whatever, but I'm a Christian. And so my history is a Catholic history, whether I like that or not. And I didn't want that to be true. I didn't like it. I thought, no, 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 no way. Taking my toys and going home, I don't want to play anymore. The more I found out, the more discouraged I got. How did you end up in the Catholic Church now? So you're, you're kind of wandering. You're looking at history and realizing all the arrows are pointing. Neon signs. Well, you don't make that leap in one single bound. No Superman's here. I tell you, this conference that I went to where the pastor got up and told us the church in America is irrelevant, the next thing he said is, but we think we have a solution for that. Now, when we said the church as Protestants, we meant the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, Church of Christ, Nazarene, right. United Brethren, Disunited Brethren, all the Protestant denominations. We did not mean the Catholic Church because they weren't Christians. Right. They wouldn't be considered church. Of course, if you said church to a Roman Catholic, they'd say, yeah, the Catholic Church, yeah. the one that Jesus started. Well, I never heard that in my life. Are you kidding? We thought John the Baptist started the Baptist Church, and he's older than Jesus, so Baptists are here before the Catholics are. Anyway, um, so his solution was, he said, now, listen carefully to me and open your hearts because, if you're, because of your prejudices and preconceived ideas, you're going to completely, God has a message for you. This is a group of about 50 pastors that were meeting for a little continuing education right. conference. Yada, yada. He said, the only hope for America is that we as evangelical Protestant pastors take our people back to something called ancient liturgy and sacramental theology. Ooh. Now I'm going to tell you, Henry poked me and said, what did he say? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'd never, I was 36 years old. I had no, this was 1991 or 92. I'd never heard the word sacrament. But in hindsight, now you know how wise that man was. Well, I'm telling you, 
and he never used the c word. He never. Yeah. Said, if he'd have said. Ke- Y'all, <laughs> y'all be out at the door. With all of them Is it lunchtime yet? Yeah, yeah exactly. Go. Sorry, brother. I love you, but you've been on drugs or something. And he, but he continued. And we, so we stayed there for three or four days, almost a week in that conference, day and night, as he explained apostolic succession, Eucharist, sacraments, the history of the church. I, I had never in my life, and it's like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I really didn't know what he was talking about, but my heart was on fire. They said, was our heart not burning within us? When Jesus was trying to, they didn't realize he was the resurrected Christ. Remember walking on the road to Emmaus with him. But did our hearts, while he spoke to us, did our hearts not burn within us? And so that began, not the not the, the coming into the Catholic Church, but it began the journey of turning on the right road of sacraments and liturgy. Because once you get on that and you find out what the Eucharist is. Oh, yeah. That it's true. Amen, yeah. It will change your life. So we, like in Alabama and everywhere in Mississippi, wherever we are in the south, you fool around the creek bank long enough, you're, liable to, <laughs> you're probably going to slide in the river. And so we fooled around the creek bank with the charismatic Episcopal churches, what we eventually formed out of that whole right. thing. We started a whole new. That's what most Protestants do. If you can't find a church just like you like, make you, you start one. your own. That's yeah, right. So we did. And I was ordained in that group. We had orders from the Apostolic Catholic Church of Brazil, which had a married priesthood, but had a succession that the church recognized. Did that for 10 years and then eventually went to, went to the Holy Land and realized, you know, we are not in union with Rome. Yeah. And so we're kind of playing Catholic. We got close with Episcopal worship and Anglican this, that, the other, and the prayer book. And, and it changed the form of our services. But then many of us realized we're just, we we have to be in union with Peter. Well, it's great that too. you realize that, though. because And maybe that's well, the that's gift grace. of the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. it absolutely the grace of God. Why did I get it? A big mouth, hard-headed Southern Baptist preacher and all the other preachers didn't get Maybe five of the guys in that meeting said, boy, we're interested in this. And so, I mean, God just knows. You know, he, he did have a plan when I was 14 right. years old at the little Baptist camp. And never did I realize it would be this. And now I've been on the road as a lay evangelist for the last 12 years, that, that, uh, preaching to hundreds of thousands of people. That's beautiful. Th- those commodes le- le- led you, you to the Catholic Church. I'm telling you. <laughs> don't look down on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a fantastic story. Now, Mike, I know you spend a lot of time teaching, preaching, talking, speaking, evangelizing, traveling all over the place. You've got a busy schedule. I know someone listening to this might be thinking, how do I get in touch with Mike? I want to have him come to my parish, do a mission. Uh, that's what you're doing uh, right Terrific. here now. So th- how do we get in touch with you? Our website, www.mikecumbie.org. You might want to spell Cumbie. Cumbie, my friend. C-U-M-B-I-E. Mike yeah. Cumbie. M-I-K-E-C-U-M-B-I-E dot O-R-G. What a fantastic story. Mike, thank you so much for spending some time here with us in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We're blessed by your being here, and we're especially blessed as a church to have you in our church with us, to be united, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Amen. Thank That's you. I appreciate your hospitality. Tell you what, we're going to ask the Blessed Mother who looks upon us all with, with grace and beauty to, to pray with us. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to 
Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stein, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. Thank you.